0: This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen.
1: Father, thank You for this day. Thank You for Your Holy Spirit. Thank You for Your presence. God, I ask you today that you're just going to speak uh, to us. Lord, your word will always accomplish what you sent it to do. Let me get out of the way so that we might encounter you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. First Thessalonians chapter number 5, verse number 16 is where we'll begin. Short, short verses here. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Now, when I planned this message, I did not plan this message because this is the Sunday before we start a prayer time together. But I thought, how fitting what God has put together. Pray continually. Pray how often? Continue. Continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For notice what I'm about to say and read here For this is the will of God, or God's will for you in christ Jesus, this is god 's will. I think we 're always trying to find out what is god 's will for my life what 's god 's plan for my life what is god 's will I think it 's a, a it 's a journey it 's a search and, and many of us treat it like how many of you remember when you were a child and maybe you had some kind of a a, a, a hunt going on maybe it was a hide and seek or um, it was a um, Uh, Easter egg hunt or whatever that was and your parent was there and 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 the closer you got to whatever you were looking for what did they say you're getting warmer and warmer and and you're now you're right on top of it and you are hot and I'm if it's over here I get all the way over here now I'm getting colder and colder and now I'm about to freeze right But I get over here and then say it's right where that grate is and I'm right on top of it and you say you're literally, you're, you're burning up. Okay. So we're trying to give them this, this mindset that the closer they get, the warmer they are and the further away they are, the colder they are. Now, I want you to hold that thought for just a moment and I want to ask you a question today. Or a few questions. How do you view God? I mean, when you think about God, what, what posture does God take towards you? What expression is God wearing on his face when you try to get a, a mental image of God? Think about that for just a moment. How do you view God? What's the tone of his voice? Can I tell you, if God has a frown on his face and his voice is harsh, you're getting colder and colder and colder. If you see a smile on God's face and there's there's tenderness in his voice, you're getting warmer and warmer. But if you see God as a God who's been waiting on you to realize that you are the apple of his eye, the one that he cherishes and the one that he wants to bless, then finally you are getting hotter and hotter and hotter. God's wanting you to understand that he has a plan for your life. And the more you get closer to him, the more that plan begins to become a reality. Now, here in the book of 1 Thessalonians, we have an interesting time in the history of the church. Now, this church in, in Thessalonica here had, was started by Paul on his first missionary journeys. And as he's, as he's out starting this church, it's now some years later, and it's about 51 A.D., And Paul has heard that the church is going through a hard time. That they're facing tribulations. They're facing trials. They're they're, they're going through circumstances that they don't like. I know none of you are ever going through circumstances that you don't like. But Paul writes to them. And as I was studying for this, I actually learned something I'd never seen before in the scripture. I learned that as, as with every thought, And now it's broke up into chapters. But with every thought, Paul finishes the thought by saying, and remember, Jesus is coming. You you need to listen to what I'm saying to you. And then he says, Jesus is coming. By the fact, I need to rebuke you a little while, but remember, Jesus is coming. And I know you're going through trials, but remember that Jesus is coming. He keeps bringing them around to something more important. He keeps bringing them around to something super important for them to remember that no matter where you are in your life, no matter what you're going through, you ought to keep this in your, in your mind that Jesus is coming. Can I tell you something? The Bible says in the last days, they'll be giving in marriage and eating and drinking. And, and I've heard people try to preach that. And so will it be as it was in the days of Noah. So it will be in the coming of the son of man when Jesus returns. And people have tried to say all these kinds of things about what that means and what it says but can i tell you the simplicity of that passage here's what it says it's that people are going to move on with their life like jesus isn't coming and that's a dangerous place to be but no matter where you're at in your life good days or bad days you need to remember that jesus is coming you need to remember and you say well pastor don how's he coming when's he coming let me just tell you it doesn't matter how he's coming and when he's coming what matters and if you're ready when he comes and get that in your mindset And then in chapter number five, Paul brings them around to a really important place. Paul says to them, now look guys, while you're going through hard times, while you're trying to figure out what God's will is for your life, this is God's will for your life. Here it is. Are you ready? This is profound. Rejoice always. Pray continually. And in all things, give thanks. Thanks. But I need to know God's will for my life. No. this is God's will for your life. Rejoice always. Pray continually and in all things, give thanks. But you see, there's a problem. Most of us, when we're facing challenges, what we're really looking for is a to-do list of how to get out of that challenge. And as a matter of fact, we'll pray like this. God show me your will. What we're really praying is. God, show me how to get past these circumstances. Can I tell you what the will of God is, really? The will of God is a, lot, is a lot less circumstantial and a lot more attitudinal. I want you to get that. It's a lot less about where you are and a lot more about who you are. To find God's will means that you get your mind in the right place. Now I'm talking to somebody today, all morning long when I've been preaching this message, I have felt the power and the presence of God because I know that it's a now word for this moment. And we need to understand, we need to stop looking to God to change our circumstances, and we need to start trusting God to change who we are. You see, the reality is most of us know God's will for our lives. In case you don't know God's will for your life, let me just tell you... (laughs) Sound like somebody's parent. Let me tell you God's will for your life. Here's God's will for your life. You ready for this? Rejoice always. Pray continually. And in all things give thanks. But Pastor Don, it's got to be more complicated than that. No, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, I think most of us are far too narrow minded when it comes to finding God's will. One day, my view on that totally broadened, completely broadened as I was talking with God about something. And this has always been the way I am. If God tells me to do something, I mean, if God tells me to take three steps and jump, close your eyes and jump, then I'm going to take three steps and close your eyes and jump. I've spent my whole life doing that. If I feel like God's doing that, I mean, you've seen me do that. Take three steps and jump, boom. And people are like, wow, can't believe that worked out for you. I'm like, well, I know when God speaks. I know when God tells us to do something. I remember one day they were telling me, Pastor Don, we've got a building we need to get rid of. We're paying too much for these extra buildings. And so they were, I said, well, let me go pray about it. And so I went and prayed about it. And I drove over to that extra building. And I'm sitting there looking at that extra building. And I'm going, God, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And he says nothing to me. So I'm driving back and I'm like, well, God had not spoke yet. So I'm driving back and I pass another little building that ended up being where our grocery store is. And as I'm driving back from asking God, God, would you show me what to do about how to whether or not I should get rid of this extra building that we have? The Lord speaks to me and says, get that one too. Now, the financial department of the church has just asked me to go get God's mind on how we're going to get rid of one of the buildings we don't need. And instead, I come back and say, not only are we not going to get rid of that building, we're going to get another one. Because God speaks, and it's worked out for over a decade now of of families being blessed because we listen to what God says. But one day I was in the middle of something, and I could not hear God. I couldn't hear the will of God. I just so wanted to hear the will of God. And finally I said, God, what do you want me to do? And God finally spoke. Are you ready for this? I was ready for the answer. And here's what God said. Are you ready? He said, what do you want to do? I was like, that's not the way this works. You're supposed to tell me what to do. But see, the problem is this. If your heart's in the right place, God's asking you, what do you want to do? You see, we spend a lot of times on the same questions. They may, this may not, some of these questions may not apply to you, but, but they really do apply to a lot of people who are listening or, or present. We have people ask, should I marry this person? Should I take this job? Should we move to another city? And here's the thing, we spend so much time trying to figure out the one thing so that we won't miss the will of God and we don't want to make a mistake. But the problem is we we miss the will of God because we're afraid of missing the will of God. We miss out on the will of God because we don't want to miss out on the will of God. And so we're literally sitting here acting like, listen to me carefully, acting like God looks at us and says, okay, there's only one thing and only one little place and only one little point in time that I can bless you in your life. And he starts spinning the wheel and says, I know what it is now, you guess. And That is not how God works. Our text today really is revealing to us not how to find out where on the wheel we're supposed to stop things. It's teaching us how to live so that our life begins to line up with what God wants for us. And if we get in the right attitude, our circumstance will always line up. And I'm trying to get to my message here but I feel God in what I'm trying to tell you today we're going but you don't understand what I'm going through and I gotta make a decision because I can't stay in this anymore and God's saying that's your problem you are so negative and so focused on the negative that you forgot that you have a reason to rejoice and his name is Jesus and you have forgot that no matter what you're going through one day the heaven shall resound with a loud shout and a trumpet blast and the Lord shall return amen you see, I don't know where you are, but I do know where we're all going, that God's in control. Wow, your amens are weak this morning. Maybe I should start preaching like you're amen-ing. So let me talk to you today. I said, God's in control. All right. Get the right mindset. And when you get the right mindset, God can move in every circumstance. Okay, Pastor, I'm ready to have the right mindset. What's God's will for my mindset? Are you ready for it? Here it is. Rejoice always. Some of you are going, what's his point? If you haven't got it by now, I don't know that you want to get it. Rejoice always. Find a reason to praise. Praise. Find no matter where you are, find a reason to praise. But Pastor Don, you don't know where I am. No, I'm reminded of a story of two men who woke up with their backs bloody and beaten and they're chained together in the middle of the darkness. But in the middle of the darkness, all of a sudden they said, man, I heard. And the other one says, I heard. But then I can just imagine Paul saying to Silas, well, at least we're not alone. Let's give God some praise that we're not alone. And so they begin to praise God that they're not alone. And in the middle of their circumstances, God hears their praise. And in the middle of those, those unfit circumstances, when a fit praise begins, to move, the atmosphere around them has to begin to line up with the power of God in them because their attitudes end up in the right place. Amen. Amen. Some of you are going, but Pastor Don, I just don't know if I can praise. Here's the problem. And I said this a couple weeks ago and, and I didn't really come back around to it. That's why I brought it back into a message. Whatever you don't turn into praise, <laughs> turns into pride. Come on. Come on. You see, When you're in the middle of a storm and you're not praising God for bringing you through the storm, what you begin to do is instead of looking to God, you begin to look to yourself and go, how am I going to get myself out of this? And before long you'll see yourself as your deliverer. Can I tell you how far you can take yourself? You can take yourself about as far as the edge of the Red Sea. That's about as far as you can take yourself. In other words, you can take yourself as far as the atmosphere or the environment that you can survive in. But when you've got to get to the other side of an atmosphere that you can't survive in, you can take yourself all the way to about the door of the furnace. But when you've got to get to the other side of the furnace, you can't go any further because you're so prideful, then you're not asking anymore. And you're going, well, this, as far as I could get myself and then you turn the pride turns into anger against God but instead what I need to begin to realize is is God got me this far God brought me out by his mighty hand God delivered me by his hand and the same God who brought me this far is going to bring me the rest of the way but here's the thing we want to go all the way and we want there now because how dare they keep me waiting for my burger much less my miracle Can we edit that out? <laughs> see, if you really want to get the right attitude, you've got to praise God for partial miracles. This is important. You see, in the Gospels, there's this story about this blind man who Jesus prays for, and when Jesus, who did I say? Jesus. Je- y'all even sounded like me. Jesus, come on now. <laughs> uh, when Jesus prays for him, he opens his eyes. Now he's blind; he can see nothing. But when he opens his eyes, he, the Bible says he goes, um, "Well, I can kind of see." It, 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 and I'll tell you what I see. I don't know why I see this, and it may not be funny to you, but why? I, I, what I, he said, "I see people walking around like like trees." And you know what image that gives me every time I read that? I, I literally see him going, "Look at the veggie tails." <laughs> Right? I mean, look at that. There goes, there goes, that looks like, like asparagus, you know? <laughs> but, uh, uh, and that's a cucumber walking along. But anyways, you know, as they go to those places, he goes, he goes, well, I can only see part of the way. Listen to me carefully. You see, his sight is restored, but not completely. This is where many of us doubt God. But the truth is, before he had no sight, and now he has some sight, and if you begin to praise God for where He's brought you through, even in the partial miracles, everybody's telling you, get well, get well, get well. Trust God that you can get well. The truth is, some pains are deep, some pains are rooted down deep inside of who you are. You might not be able to praise the way you are on the end on the other side of this, but while you're in the middle of this, while you're while you're still standing, when everybody else says you're supposed to have fallen down, why don't you find a praise inside of you that says, I may not be done yet, I may not be there yet, but my God still got and he's still able and he's still faithful. Amen. Stop giving up halfway there because even Jesus had to pray twice. See, some miracles happen in stages. And when that happens, there's some moments you need to double down. You need to start praying. You need to start fasting. Can I tell you, stop withholding your praise when you're not there yet. Why not praise God for every step of the way? <laughs> he moves you forward two steps. Glory to God. You get knocked back one step. Glory to God. Pastor Don, didn't you hear? You just said you got knocked back another step. But glory to God, I'm still walking. I'm still moving. I'm still progressing. I'm still going forward. I may go back one day, but I'm still going forward. I might have a good day today, and I might have a bad whole weekend. But guess what? Devil, you didn't kill me. I'm not done yet. I'm not through yet. I'm coming through. I'm coming over. And I'll bless God every step of the way. Good steps, bad steps. He's still God. He's still... I wish somebody'd find a praise for a God who can bring you through, a God who can bring you over. You may have bad days, but he's still God. Amen. Come on, praise him like he deserves. Amen. 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 Here's what you've got to understand. Your focus determines your reality. All you can think about is your pain, then that's where you're going to stay. The Philippians four eight says, "Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things." I'm gonna give these to you really fast. You may, you will probably won't have time to write them down. But listen to me carefully. If you're looking for something to complain about, you're gonna always find it. But if you're looking for something to praise, you will always find it also. Awesome. And when you've been praising a while, you're going to remember you need something else to find the will of God. And that's that you need to start praying. And you need to pray continually. You're going, Pastor Don, I, I, I can't even pray because I can't praise yet. No, 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 you don't understand. We pray until we can praise. That's right. You start praying you start praying. Pastor Don, I don't know how I could praise God for what I'm going through. Now See, that's the difference. What you just said is I don't know how I, how I can praise God. The problem is you're too busy looking at your circumstances and you're not busy looking at a God who's worthy of praise no matter what your circumstances is. But let me just use your own words. I don't know how I could praise God for what I'm going through. That's where you can find the praise is that I have not come to stay in this place. I might be going through hell for a season, but I am going through and I'm going to just steal an old preacher line. The Bible says in one place, and it came to pass. Can I tell you that where you are now has come to pass one day, whether this side of glory and glory, your hope shall be returned and you shall have joy again. See, joy is not getting what you want. It's appreciating what you have. It's not changing your circumstances. It's changing your focus. And here's the bottom line. You can tell I'm moving quickly. I know I'm out of time, but here's the bottom line. Either your theology will conform to your reality or your reality will conform your theology. What that means is this. Either your circumstances will be filtered through the character of God or you will filter God's character through your circumstances. If you're looking at your circumstances that God doesn't love me, but if you're looking at a God who loves you, you're realizing these circumstances are just an opportunity for him to show you how much. I rejoice always. I pray continually. And what was the rest of God's will for my life? Give thanks in all things. If you focus on what's wrong, the game's over. It's done. This is where you focus on confessed sin. Because, watch this, you know you're forgiven and you know he's forgotten it, but you can't forgive yourself. That's where the enemy wants to keep you. Can I tell you where I go when I struggle? To an old rugged cross. That has stood the time. And I realize that I am worth the cross to him. And because I am worth the cross to him, he will not leave me nor forsake me. And though there may be tough days, he's still God and he's still able. Here's the problem, though. What do you do, Pastor, when you get so much on you that you forget these things? Well, I read a passage to you and I preached a sermon about a year ago now in Genesis chapter 28. And this is a story of Jacob when he's fleeing from his brother and he, he's fleeing for his life and, and he, he's ruined everything and this whole world is falling apart and he doesn't know where he's going and everything's a mess and nothing will ever be fixed again. It is broken forever. And Jacob comes in and he falls asleep in a place that he later would call Bethel, the house of God. And he falls asleep on a lumpy old rock. How many of you know you're in a bad place? When you're so focused on your problem that you can't notice that you're sleeping on a lumpy old rock. He's quite literally between a problem and a hard place. And here's what he says when he wakes up. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. This is the line that stuck out to me. I am not, and I was not aware of it. I was so focused on my problems that I forgot that God was going with me. And I lost sight of the fact that he was with me. And when I lost sight of the fact that God was with me, everything else messed up. He said, I have awoken in a place that... Surely God is here. As a matter of fact, not only is God here, I have been sleeping in his house. I couldn't see that I was in his house because all I could see was my pain and my failures. But I awakened in his house. I'm reminded of the words of the psalmist. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That no matter where I am, and no matter what I've gone through, let me not forget that He is there. Though I ascend to the highest mountains, He is there. If I go to the lowest valleys, he is there. Though I were to ascend to heaven itself, he is there. Though I were to ascend to hell itself, he is there. I am convinced that neither life nor death nor things present nor things to come nor any principalities nor any darkness, anything of this world shall be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And so I have a reason. I feel the Holy Spirit when I'm about to say to you. I have a reason to straighten up my attitude. And to become grateful. And declare. I might not like where I am. But thank God. For whose I am. Yes. You see gratitude causes us to wake up to all the different ways. That God is working in us. And around us. All the time. Let me close with this today. You know, I didn't do this in the last service, but I just—I wrote something. And I highlighted, and underlined. I don't—I don't normally do that in my notes because I really feel like this was a, was a, a great truth. And it says, "In gratitude, we grow warmer until our head dips in prayer, only to stoke the fire of faith until we once again lift our hearts in praise." And say that again. In gratitude, we grow warmer until we dip. Our heads dip in prayer only to stoke the fire of faith until we once again lift our hearts in praise. God, let us find you. God's not keeping you at a distance. God's pulling you to Him. It's amazing how we we interpret our circumstances. I'll never forget, I was six years old. I've got a major case of pneumonia. My parents don't know that yet. And and I, a, it's a weird moment, but I'll, I'll, it shows you how you hear things when you don't understand your circumstances. And I remember being so sick, and I remember my mom saying, she said, now, look, we're going to do this, and, and after this, if you're still sick, we're going to go to the hospital. And... My six-year-old brain heard it this way. Are you ready? This is how, what I heard. Look, I want to do this, and when this is done, then if you're still sick, I'll take care of it. That's how my six-year-old brain heard it. And for the longest time, I would I just, just kind of think that through, that, that well, that was more important than that than me. But as I grew, I began to understand mom wasn't saying this is more important than you. She was saying, I've given you Tylenol. I'm going to see if it breaks your fever. I'm going to give this some time. And and if after this amount of time, and she was just putting it in a frame of reference for my six-year-old mind, that then I'll take you if you're still still sick. And I ended in the hospital for like a week and I was was ill and I kept, I remember always thinking, why did you have to do that? That was so unimportant. You see, I think if we end up in this place where we're judging what, what we've been through in our lives and saying, God, I don't get it. We're not yet seeing it yet. God's working for our good, whether we know it or not. He's working for us in ways that we will never know this side of heaven. So how do we find a way to be grateful in the middle of our storms? Probably the greatest way to rejoice, the greatest way to to pray, the greatest way to have gratitude all summed up in one is to remember what the Lord has done for you. To remember what God has done. Sharon, can I share your story for just a moment? In the last service, actually, we we had a a member of our church who's just got out of the hospital after 69 days and they got out Thursday and they're like, I got to get to church. Praise God. They wanted to rejoice that the Lord brought them home. Sharon wonderful part of our family her and her son Parker her mother Allison God brought them into our family about a year or so ago and and yesterday after a prolonged cancer illness Sharon's mother passed away now I've been in a whole lot of those situations but when I I was able to connect with Sharon. I didn't hear sorrow and grief, even though there was pain. She was laughing. There was joy in the moment. Now I've been with a lot of you and you've got to understand this was a prepared for understood. They knew it was coming. I'm not, not judging people's situations against others. This was not an accident or a just a rapid tragedy this was something we knew to prepare for unless god moved but i heard the joy of the moment and i thought about what i was going to be preaching about today that that what was bringing her joy at that moment was not the fact that the suffering was through was the moments of gratitude for what she'd learned from her mother brings you joy when you don't know what to do and how to process the horrible circumstances of your life are the moments of gratitude of what we've learned from our Savior. That there's no way to process the pain that some of you have gone through. I've been with families when they've been been assaulted somehow, robbed, or, or or even brutalized somehow sexually. I've been with families when they've lost their children. I've been with families in all kinds of tragedies when their homes have burned out. I've been I've been in all those storms. And to, to say that one person reacts one way or another it, it is wrong. It's wrong for people to tell you that you have to act a certain way. It's wrong. But yet Jesus, through His Word, is telling us, even in the middle of nobody else understanding what you're going through, look at how you can find gratitude in what I've given you to survive. When nobody else even understands the depth of your pain, look at what I've given you. Because in this little moment, we're going to remember the greatest moment of history. When God laid down a fleshly body that He had taken on and the blood of the Lamb flowed for us. I want you to bow your heads in this place. The Bible says before we receive communion, that a man or woman should examine themselves and let them not receive in an unworthy manner. And if you're in this place and you've got sin in your life, and matter of fact, if you're not a Christian, you just need to set this down and just leave it sitting there right beside you unless you want to confess Jesus as your Savior now. This is an act. The Scripture is very, very particular about it. If you don't know God, then you don't need to do what we're doing right now. If you want to know God, you can right where you are right now as a matter of fact I just want to ask you nobody's looking around everybody's praying you say Pastor Don I've I played with God I've thought about knowing God or maybe I've, ne- I've never surrendered to God but you say today I'd like to give my heart to Jesus so that I too have a part in his body and his blood so that I know he's my savior if that's you could I just see your hand right where you are would you hold it up high thank you ma'am is there another thank you sir is there another? We'll join with these two today? This is your moment. This is your time. Thank you. Are there others who will join with these three? Are there others? All right, I'm going to pray for these first while you're examining your hearts, church. So this is what the Bible says for those who said they want to surrender their life to Jesus. And if we will believe in our hearts that God raised Christ from the dead and with our mouths confess that Jesus Christ is Lord that we have a part in all of this that means that he, he died as a sacrifice for us and if we will receive his grace and his forgiveness that he will cover us right now by the joy of the Lord and the strength of God as you're going to pray a prayer you're going to find your eternity is about to change Father, I pray for each one of these who've responded today and said they want a part in this gift. Lord, as they pray this prayer right where they are with me now and confess this truth, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Heavenly Father, I receive the gift of Jesus and I repent of my sins and I leave my old life behind. And now in Jesus' name, I confess that Jesus died for me and he rose again for me. And from this moment forward, all that I have belongs to him. Jesus is my Lord. Father, I thank you that you're receiving them and there's going to be an eternal change in their lives from this moment forward. And now, Lord, I thank you that all of us that are here you see our hearts and you see if there's been unforgiveness and struggles and sin. But Lord, there are three areas that I want you to specifically forgive us for today. If we've not been rejoicing. If we've not been praying. And if we've not been grateful. For all other sin is born out of these areas. That they didn't worship you tells us is what turned them over to their, 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 their minds that led them astray. Lord, forgive us for not praising you. Forgive us for not talking to you. And forgive us for our lack of gratitude at the bounty of your blessings. And now, Father, I thank you as we prepare to receive the bread. Congregation, if you'll just pull that back, take that little piece of white bread on the top of your hand. And I thank you, Lord, that the body of Jesus Christ was broken for us. That in our weakness, your strength might be made perfect. That those who say, I don't know how to praise right now, the strength of God is coming into their life. To those that are afraid to approach your throne, Lord, there's power coming to their life. There's victory coming to their world. Speak to them now. And Lord, we thank you that with every strike that you were wounded for our transgressions, you were bruised for our iniquities and by your stripes we are healed. We receive the gift of your body now. In Jesus' name, you ever receive And now, Lord, as we prepare the cup, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, that though many of us are failed and though all of us struggle that though our sins be red as scarlet your blood washes as white as snow this is not something that has to happen every year but one time you went to a cross and one time your blood flowed and because of your blood sacrifice we are now washed clean because the price has been paid in your death we find life and we receive it now In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Would you join me in a moment of gratitude? I thank you. That in my weakness, your strength is made perfect. That in in my dark hours, your light has shone. And when I could not forgive and cleanse myself, your blood has washed me clean. I give you thanks. I thank you, Lord, that as we call upon your name, you answer us as we pray. And then today we rejoice to know that the one who laid down his life for us shall return for us because Jesus is coming again. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.